Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, working our way almost to the halfway point of who I think are the most relevant players for you to consider in your starting squads for Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy. At time of recording, AFL Fantasy is open to the public. Dream Team and Supercoach, it's team pickers if you've been an assistant coach or a gold subscriber. But the good news is you are just a couple of days away from Dream Team and Supercoach opening for 2022, which is incredibly exciting. On this episode today, talking about one of my personal favourites. I know a lot of people have dubbed him as their boy, so I don't know if I can claim him, but we're talking about arguably the next captain of the Fremantle Football Club, Andrew Brayshaw. I think by default, the coaches panel member I'm about to introduce you to in a moment is fast becoming our Fremantle expert. Uh, So... You're welcome, I think, is what we're going to go for. Jordox, hello, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. That's something I never thought I would be, a, a Fremantle expert. But no, I did uh, I did one last week with Caleb Sarong, and, and now we move on to the next best primo at Freo in Andy Brayshaw. Yeah, he's a really interesting guy to really look through some of those numbers. Just the 22 years of age, entering into his fourth year of AFL, midfield eligible only, much like last year. You've got to go back a couple of years now to that that great year we did get to enjoy him as a mid-forward. And last year, he gave us not only some really high scores, but some career high scores. It was 156 against the Tigers in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, while it was a 190 in Supercoach. Yeah, not bad from a guy that's yet to pump out 100 games at the elite level. He's reaching near the 200 club. So when people go, oh, has Andrew Brayshaw got some ceiling? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Brayshaw's got some freaking ceiling. He averaged the 104.2 in AFL Fantasy and DT last year, the 107.3 in Supercoach. And in that format, he's going to sit you back just over $580,000, 875K in AFL Fantasy. And he's just about 11,000 shy of hitting the 900,000 club in AFL Dream Team. And last year, Jordox, the infamous third year breakout that coaches love to chase that we alluded to on and talked about a lot on that episode of Caleb Sarong. Well, if you jumped on Andrew Brayshaw last year and for the 20 games he played for you in 2021, he absolutely was that breakout guy for you. Absolutely. Well, it was for his fourth year actually. So for the, the third year breakout guys, um, yeah, he was a little bit behind. I mean, 2020, he was, like you said, he was that forward available player. And then we had the shortened games. But that's right. in his third year, he got up to around about 95 if you, you know, do the 1.25, which I know you love to do. Um, but now to jump up to a 104 in Dream Team in, in 2021 um, and just watching him, he, he, he collects DT and super catch points in, in, in every category. He's really starting to spread out his, yeah. um, his ability to score whether it be a game where he has a, a ton of marks or there'll be a game where he, he doesn't get that much freedom, but he tackles through the roof. So um, yeah, it's pretty exciting for the future for this one. The, the question I guess we'll go through now is 
Um, is it time to start him or do we wait till he uh, continues to improve? Yeah, I think that's ultimately the the conundrum that coaches have to consider last year. But as you said, really nice breakout year a couple of years ago, established himself into that fourth year and even across the league last year, based on game averages across the league, before we even look at his fantasy numbers, he ranked seventh in the entirety of the AFL for uncontested possessions. That speaks to that work rate and that ability for him to find ways to get into space and be that damaging outside player. But when he gets it, he doesn't waste it because he was ranked 11th in the league for effective disposals. It's one of those things that makes Fremantle fans love him so much outside of his courage. And why Gold Coast fans are wondering, why did we allow that pick to sneak away for us for Lockie Weller? Uh, He ranked 11th in the league per game for handballs and 13th for disposals. So we got this guy who's got this really nice combination. You mentioned there, those scoring columns while he... Maybe he's only had one game where he's put it all together against Richmond. We're seeing this. He gets it done on the inside, the outside. He uses the ball cleanly when he does win it um, and doesn't waste it. He, he uses the well, the ball well by hand too to set up his teammates and open them up into the game. Last year, that establishing of the breakout with the 20 games in Dream Team and Fantasy, 13 tons. Five over 120. So that's that growth towards the ceiling mindset that we need for captaincy and vice-captaincy projections. And those two big scores over 135, including that 156. Equally then, beyond that, a further three further games, 90 or above. So 16 of his 20 games, 90 plus. And then you've just got the three stinkers. It's probably maybe a little bit far to reach, but let's go with it. Three scores, sub 70. A number of those tag impacted. I'm sure Jordox will talk about that throughout the episode. He's ranked 20th by averages of all midfielders this year in Dream Team and Fantasy. To put that in contrast to a couple of guys, that's more than Jai Simpkin. That's more than Andrew Gaff. And it pains my heart to say it, more than the boy, Josh Kelly. Let's look at his super coach numbers. 12 tons. His lowest ton last year, 109. His highest ton last year, was you just got to flip that nine and the zero around and you've got it, the 190. He had seven tons over 120, four additional 90 plus. So 16, again, very similar numbers, even if the tons are a little moved one or two there. Another four 90 plus, so 16 scores, 90 or above, and the three under 70. Ranked 19th for midfielders by averages. More than Boak, Danger, Fife, and Neil. And we'll talk about his 2020 season in a sec. Jordox. But for a guy that has played 80 odd games of footy, he's matching it with some of the most elite scorers. Now, I know someone like a Neil had a poor year, but to be up there with the Josh Kellys, to be up there with the Simpkins, who is a comparable breakout candidate, and his team, Matt Nat Fife and Dangerfield, who just need to fart and they pick up super coach points, he's putting together this incredible resume that should only build forecasting confidence for coaches heading into this new season. And he's also, again, you know, as we said with Sarong, um, he's, he's at a club who, who's, you know, on the up. And, and I think it's one of those ones where if you're confident and you, you think Freo are going to continue in the right direction and, and start climbing the ladder um, slowly but surely, mm. I, think, I think the confidence in Brayshaw would match that because... Um, you know, he's an accumulator, but geez, yeah. he does have impact. And, and uh, I think, you know, some of his best games, I'm sure they won 
because of him. So, um, yeah, I think that young midfield group of Freo, I know they lost Chera, but yep. um, they're building something good. And, and you know, uh, Captain Fife's still going to be around for a little bit to guide them. Um, yeah, blue skies, I reckon. Yeah, I, th- I think it is blue skies. And, and you do touch on a really interesting point about wins and losses. He averages 12.3 points per game more in wins in Dream Team and Fantasy than he does in losses. And arguably... a. a a negligible 6.9 in Supercoach. But but if you believe this Dockers outfit is going to continue to improve, yep, the absence of Chera hurts. I think they're going to minimise bits of that with some nice new pieces of the puzzle um, with Erasmus and Johnson has come in. I know a few are quite bullish on Brody from the Gold Coast Suns. I'm not as bullish on that, but there is a narrative that people go, well, I think they're going to get better because of A, B, C, D, and E. And I think that's perfectly justified, but... For me, when I look at that 2021 season, some might go, well, there's two things. One, there's some stinky tag games in there. We will get to them in a sec because they are nasty cash cow level scores. Or the thought is, okay, that's, that's a really nice fourth year run of a couple of games. It's about time we finally saw it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's look back into what he did in 2020. Averaged 101 in Supercoach. And an adjusted average, if you want to play the multiplication game, of 95. But in Supercoach that year, 10 tons. In Dream Team and Fantasy, three pure tons and five additional 80-plus scores. Remembering, 80 was the 100 of 2020. But there's this run of games that should remind us that 2021 was no surprise. But just further establish coaches that are looking at Brayshaw as the next breakout star of fantasy football that can go the 110, that can go the 115, that can be the next captain candidate. You can look at 2020 to give you further confidence. Between round five and round 14, these were his super coach scores. 144, 122, 102, 136, 106, 150, 67, 122, 115. That, my friends, is an average of 118. While in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, these are unadjusted. Remember, 80 was a ton in 2020 from a fantasy equivalent. 106, 87, 73, 102, 78, 98, 67, 97, 99. That is a unadjusted averages of 89.6 in the shortened quarters. While if you want to play the multiplication, which I think has some flaws, but again, it's just reminding us of what he can and could be. That's an adjusted average of 112. So it is these sort of trends that make people see that. The third year breakout is great, but it is the fourth and the fifth year seasons that establish premium performances. Go back and look through some of the biggest premium performance we've had you look at a scott pendlebury's numbers always growing always building and at times even being a premium but it's the fifth season the fourth season it's players like this that then go on runs for the next five and six years and become your evergreen always their premiums that deliver big time in those fourth and fifth seasons the trend is strong his scoring is there he does it in every column but Jordox, the big question marks that people have are probably about those round two, are those round three and round four games. So those two matches where he's held to under 20 touches by some okay defensive teams in Carlton and Hawthorne. Okay. And in those two games, he scored a 63 and 54 in Dream Team and Fantasy 
and a 66 and a 48 in Supercoach. It doesn't matter if you can go 120 every week either side of it. If you can't even crack a 70 for some coaches, it's not worth it given in the midfield. You've probably got a cash cow that can do that sort of scoring for you most weeks. Yeah, and at his price point heading into the new year, um, those scores, you know, they're, they're completely unacceptable and, and they can really hurt your season when mm. you have a guy on, 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 you know, absolute top money um, delivering scores like that. But look, the reality is he, he's in his, he was in his fourth year. Um, you know, if you cast your minds back to that round three game against Carlton in the post-match, Justin Longmuir came out and was quite... Um, Frustrated his team for not protecting Brayshaw. So mm. I don't think, I, I don't know if there was a tag exactly, but there was a lot of attention put on him. Um, he'd had a starring role in a win over the Giants the week before. And then round four, um, round four and round 21 were actually the two I could find where there was a clear um, tag or, or run with Roland. Roland yeah. Always interesting, yeah, always interesting to see um, when, when players. Young players who are out of form, who can't quite find the footy, are chucked into that role. So James Warple tagged him in round four. Yep. Um, kept him to a season low, 15 disposals. You know, so James Warple's at that point, he's playing for his life. He's trying to keep his spot on the side. And then, you know, right at the end of the year, round 21, um, against Brisbane, Jared yeah. Berry. Yeah, coming back remember, from a long-term injury, in yeah. And just couldn't find his place. So he had to run with, roll with him. So... You can look at it one of two ways. One, okay, I'm not paying all that for a guy who, who can be tagged by Warple and Jared Berry to sub-70. Or you could look at, all right, another preseason in the gym, as yep. they always say, um, another year wiser, uh, another year more experienced that, yeah, he'll probably still get tagged and, and score um, not as great as you might like. Sure. But you'd like to think his basement scores would, would, would come up and we won't be seeing you know, 50s and 60s again. Um, the um, you know he would have copped a little bit in 2020 I think, but he he's got a lot more attention 2021 and and you know can expect more because chair has moved on yes and and Fife you know he's not really the one you tag anymore at Freo so I think the fifth and sixth years of most super elite players are the years where they start to cop the tags and learn mm. um, and I I think this kid will learn from it. But um, something to keep in mind. Yeah, I've, I've got no doubt that the attention's coming hot and heavy for him, um, especially if if the belief of the broader fantasy community is Fife is drifting and spending some of the, the twilight years of his career more forward. That that may or may not be the case. Um, and we'll look at the, the difference of what happened when they were both in the midfield last year shortly. But uh, I think if you do believe that is the case, I think Brayshaw is absolutely a, a jet of a footballer and deserving of a tag if someone's not coming near Fife. And I think you do make that great point of if that basement comes up, even 10 to 15 points per game, and he is locked out of these games, that's, that can get towards an 80. If your worst scores in a year are an 80-something, then you're now starting to compete with what we saw guys like Steele, Took. Laird, McRae, Mills, these guys that are varying ranges of ceiling, but for most of them, what makes them so great is they just won't burn you with a, with a horrible score outside of if an injury comes mid-game. 
And so if people are looking for where the growth column can come from Brayshaw, the positive thing is it doesn't have to come from adding three or four possessions a game or picking up a mark or a tackle or getting more involved in score involvements for the Dockers. Where it can actually come is just two or three games last year where he cops the sub-70 with tags, turn them into 80s, and now all of a sudden he's your 110 to 115 midfielder already, let alone if the ceiling grows. So I think that's the exciting component for coaches of going, the tag will come to him. He will now have had a full preseason to work through it. He will not be surprised by it if they choose him over Fife. Um, and, and speaking of Fife, and I'm keen to get your take on what you think the chair absence does in a second. I think you've got some of the data there for us. Um, I had a quick look at what happened with the Nat Fife effect, both when he played, when he didn't, but also what happened when they matched their roles together through the midfield. Um, last year, they played together in 14 games. He averaged more in those games in Dream Team and Fantasy. Sometimes you think, oh, when a player's out, they score more. Well, statistically, last year, in, in the 14 games they played together, he averaged seven points more per game. While in Supercoach, in the 14 games he played with him, he averaged 4.5 points per game less. So, again, it's a tackle, give or take. It's an effective disposal, give or take. So it, it, it's negligible is really the argument. But what interested me was this, is I went through the CBAs of when both of them played last year. In the nine games that when they played together um, and Fife had over 70 CBAs, in those games, Brayshaw averaged 106 in DT and 102 in Supercoach. In the 11 games that Fife had either 70% of CBAs in the game under 70% of games, or he completely missed. So in those 11 games, he averaged 102 in DT and 111 in Supercoach. So again, it's going to be fascinating to see how they use Fife in 2022. Is it mean Fife more forward good for Brayshaw? Well, maybe not necessarily. But also, let, let's not rule out this champion of the game, especially with David Mundy out early. So often we do that with fantasy players, don't we, Jordan? And we'll talk about Cher in a sec, mm. is we put these champions out to pasture. And it was only three years ago that Travis Spoke was dying at a half forward flank and was looking mm. like his final few years were coming. So it's certainly not out of the realms of probability that Longmuir goes, right, no Chera, Fife's a star, he's fit. We're playing him through there. We think our forward can work now with the, the ins we've got we're planning back through the midfield. That's definitely a possibility. I think the key with Fife too is, you know, it's it's not so much about the midfield, it's also that forward line. I mean, that forward line's coming along. Um, is, is it, was it Brennan Cox? And who were a couple of those big forwards that, yeah, that forward line's starting to take shape for Frio. Um, there's one mm. who escapes me. He was a bit of a cult, cult hero late in the year. Mm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the, so Fife, yeah, Tabin is there as well. So, yeah, Fife will play a bit of both. I mean, make no mistake about it. If Fife's body is right, he'll be playing midfield. I mean, he's just too good. He's, it's not about, um, it's not like he's slowed down or anything. It's just sure. his body. You know, he's played such a such a career of, of putting his body on the line. It catches up with you. Yeah. Um, but on the splits that you did, and that's great analysis and it's great data. And in the end, you, you sort of land where I landed um, looking at the splits with, with Chera in and out. Yeah. You know, it was a lot. 
was a lot simpler because he only missed four games, Chera. <laughs> and I could already rattle off those four games because I did that for the Sarong, <laughs> the Sarong episode. But the difference with that is, so Chera's absence means opportunity for Sarong. That's why I was looking at that. There was no pattern. There was no correlation. Brayshaw is the kind of guy, when you watch him, um, it doesn't matter if Fife's in there with him with or not, whether chair is there or not, if he's got kids around him or experienced guys like Monday, the guy gets the pill. And, you know, those CBAs were, were at a good level. Um, and, and looking even at him when he wasn't starting at a centre bounce, which was quite rare. I mean, you were saying, you know, 30%, you know, uh, 70% in a lot of the games hmm. for Brayshaw. Um you know, he's on a half forward flank or a half back flank, and he, he's just making a beeline. You know, like yeah, yeah, he, yeah. the ball goes up and then bang, he, he's a fifth midfielder. So, um, no, I don't think the Chera absence will be good or bad for him. And I don't think Fife playing midfield and forward will make any impact on him. The, the key to Brayshaw will be purely bulking up and, and getting smarter at, um, at his positioning so he can, you know, beat Work those tag. taggers because they're going to come. The other thing on Brayshaw too, just another thing that, you know, you mentioned at the start, you know, future captain. I think we all see that. Yeah. And this probably doesn't really cross over the dream team, but it's worthy of mention because this this is a kid who came to the AFL. He was picked two. Yeah, picked two. Yep. Um, which was, a, a, you know, a controversial trade, as you said, with Lockie Weller. He's also the younger brother of, um, you know, a, a, an established player at Melbourne in Angus. And he comes from a big football family. You know, he hit the ground running in 2018. And he actually finished that year involved in, in one of the more ugly sites we've seen with the yeah. Andrew Gaff incident. Um, there was so much media scrutiny on, on such a young, you know, he played 17 games, would have been 18, 19 years old. Mm. It, it would have been forgiven for him to be a bit uh, quiet the next couple of years to find his way through. But he didn't miss... Uh, he didn't bat an eyelid at that. He just soldiered on, averaged another near 70 um, in Dream Team. And, yeah, he's become quite a fine young man. And uh, I think he's going to be very um, very worthy of a spot in our team. Also, and last thing I'll say on it, is the price will make him quite unique. Yes, So I don't true. know if we're going to look at that. But the, yeah. there's players around him. And this is where it's so crucial that if you start with him, he doesn't drop a 50 or a 60 on you because you are paying just about top dollar. Um, around his price is Josh Kelly, mm. um, who MJ clearly will have. Um, you've got Darcy Parrish. Uh, you know, it's just a little bit up. You've got Bontempelli, you know, and then you could either just go to the top dogs and just get in your your, your Mills, your Laird, McCrae's, Steel Took, you know, um, and not have to worry. Yeah. Or you could drop down and get a bargain. You know, Lockie Neal is like 80K cheaper. So, you know, you've got to be pretty certain that he ain't going to let you down because Correct. he costs a lot. And if he does score a 50 in round one and you've got him, he's super unique. He'll be pretty unique. But if he comes out and brains it, like yeah. he, I think he probably will. Um, and you've got him, many others don't, you know, you may have got him at his cheapest point. Yeah, maybe. no, I think it's fair. I think it, at, at the price point where he is, we do have options beneath and comparable to him that a 105, 106, 107, yeah, it's not a bad year, 
but it's not what you're hoping for. I think if you're investing in Andrew Brayshaw stocks this year as a starting squad option, you're bullish that he's going to add seven to 10 points per game on what he's delivering, that he's going to become that 115 guy in the format of choice and probably would be your M4 to start your year. Maybe an M3 if you're running a lot of value options through there, but um, you're looking at him as a guy to go, most weeks I feel comfortable that I can put the VC or C on him. And what's going to be interesting is with the developments of what's happened out in Western Australia just over the past few days, um, it looks certain that the first few months of the what the West Coast and Fremantle are going to have to do is move into an Eastern hub. And uh, maybe that affects some of the fixture where often there's a West Australian-based team or a Fremantle or West Coast playing one of the final games on a Sunday for that great crowd. I think that will still retain um, from that perspective, but it's going to be interesting to see how that works from a fixture perspective because maybe not a lot of coaches would look at Brayshaw as, oh, he's my last-ditch captain safety option for the round. They might feel a bit more comfortable rolling him as the VC into somebody else's a C. And that's where you use your fixture analysis to go, okay, what options I got over these first confirmed six rounds? We know where they are going to be, barring an Eastern hub coming for the West Australian teams, which I think is a certainty um, based on, on the news coming from the Western Australian Premier just in the past couple of days. So for me, I think that's going to be interesting. If you're big on Brayshaw, he's one of your captain candidates walking through into 2022. Absolutely. And, and I think just on the back of that, if, if you get to a Sunday game and your vice has tanked or, or you know, not scored enough um, and you're not comfortable putting that C on Brayshaw, I, I'm not sure you should be paying the money for him up front to start the season. Because like you said before, you want to see, if you're starting with him, you've got to be bullish that he adds, I think you said seven to 10 points. I mean, we're talking, he becomes a top eight mid in the fantasy world. He becomes one of the, the, the best eight that you want to finish the year with. So that's a lot of confidence, a lot of pressure on the kid mm-hmm. if you do um, sign him up. But, um, yeah, if, if you're not willing to make him captain, I, I probably wouldn't be paying that amount of money for him. Yeah, I, I, I love um, the better Brayshaw. I, I love Gus, actually. Gus is a good dude. But um, I think Brayshaw is going to be a, a long-term premium in a lot of teams for us for many years to come. For some, they might not be happy to jump on. They'd rather see it before they believe it, and that's okay. But whether it's this year or not, Andy Brayshaw is a a legit premium for us for the future. He's right in the mix for me in a couple of formats. It might be down to the two loves of my life. Okay, that's a slight exaggeration because I really like my wife and kids. But um, him and Kelly might be fighting for a lot of people's unique spots in their midfield. And it's going to be fascinating to see how coaches go, both with that dilemma but also on draft day, where he goes by midfielders, he's ranked 19th and 20th, depending on the format you choose to draft in, which means he probably is by averages, someone's M2. However, we know Jordocs that there's some really nice defenders that people want to get their hands on early. And there's some arguably an elite top three forwards that will be gone very, very early. So depending on, I suppose, the way you draft, He'll either be someone's M2 or if there's a coach that loves to run a heavy, deep midfield strategy, he could be even someone's M3. I don't see him going in in the first two rounds. I feel like that's as much as I love him, probably a reach 
what you're passing up at that point. But anywhere from the third round onwards, Brayshaw just feels like a fantastic get. Where, where do you think he's going on draft day, man? What round? Uh, yeah, it, he's, he's gone up a few ranks in my head after this conversation, I must be honest. But he, um, I, I think I agree. You, you, can't, you just can't, uh, can't see him in the first round with all those forwards. Um, and then the second round when all those, you know, long time, more established, big, beefy averaging mids will go. Um, but I think what's really interesting is whoever nabs him, you know, if it isn't a third round, and let's be honest, it could be third, fourth, fifth, I don't know. Um, whoever gets him is getting a bargain because I think I think he's going to deliver the scores of a, of a second round player. And I, I just do don't too, think yeah. anyone takes him second round. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to get him in in the third, fourth round. <laughs> but, um, you know, it depends how deep your league is and, and, and whatnot. But um, I think realistically third round. Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, somewhere in the third round he might drift to the fourth if people get excited on a run on a certain line, and at that point it, you're you're starting to feel like you've gotten away with some kind of stealing um, on draft day. That is for sure. Hey, mate, as always, appreciate your work on these podcast episodes. Pleasure. I'll be in for the next free guy. I'm guessing, or maybe one of the others. I was about to say, if you want to do the next free guy, we may or may not have you, man. We'll see how we go. Uh, we'll, we'll see how we go. Some might be thinking, "Wait on, there's a couple you should still have." Well, you just have to keep hanging around you through because we know. are getting close to the halfway marker of the 50 most relevant. If you want to catch up on any of the players revealed so far, you've got all the details you need at coachespanel.tv. If you want to know who's at number 27 already, the good news is our breakout and our premium tier Patreons already know. And you can go and check that out right now for all the details and the links at coachespanel.tv. Speaking of the number 27, he scored like a premium in a couple of games for us last year. He's priced way nowhere near it. And if he can bring those premium games that he did deliver in 2021 to the start of his 2022 in his line, he could be the best stepping stone available in a line where we've got some phenomenal value options. Who is he? You'll find out about him tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. Give it all, now give it all.